It's Storm and Kieran bringing you the netballing moments that matter. This is Centre Pass in focus on SENZ. Yes, 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 just gone past eight minutes here on ECNZ Centre Pass in Focus. Myself, Kieran Bingham, alongside me, Storm Purvis. We're going to take you through another week of ANZ Premiership Netball. And my word, what a week it was on and off the court, but we'll get to that in just a second coming up on the show today. We obviously will take you through all the action from round six. Jeepers, Storm, it creeps up on it, doesn't it? We're halfway through the season officially, so that means we're going to go on tactics watch as well. A little bit later on, we're going to uh, dust off, uh, st- oh, no, not dust off, wipe off the sweat from Storm's forehead. Big weekend only means one thing: Storm's team of the week, where she will take you through a starting seven with an honourable captain slash MVP. All that plus Silver Fern and almost said stars. That would have been horrible. Steel <laughs> mid quarter, Kate Heffernan, one of the Heffernan twins from the Steel. We're going to take a trip down south. Just check in with the team, see how they're doing and see if we can turn this season around as we approach midway. But Storm, like I said, absolute thriller on the weekend. Magic Mystics went down to the wire. But that is not the thriller. (laughs) That caught my eye because I'll tell you what, young Kieran wakes up on Friday morning, goes to the Instagram story. Oh, lovely. Storm's uh, out on the kayak, out on a a lovely lake. Oh, here we go. And uh, skip through a couple stories and I go, hang on. Let me just go back uh, onto that storm story. And, and my words, on second look, I was blinded by this absolute gem on the finger. Storm, congratulations, you're engaged. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No one listening cares. Oh, I yes, they re- do. I mean, do you care? This I don't is, think anyone this cares. Is storm but thank you guys. Oh, it was such a crazy, exciting Friday morning. But of course, there was plenty of crazy netball happening all weekend, too. So I had to celebrate really quickly, get over it, make my way to Rotorua, uh, Rotorua and do the Magic Mystics game, which was the game of the round, in, in my opinion. But yes, I've got a little bit of bling on my finger now, which is mm. which is very nice. Thank all you, right. Kev. I will, uh, I will save you the shame. It is not shame <laughs> at all. But Storm, you talk about her birthday, you talk about anything with Storm. She does not like it. You're very humble, Storm Purvis, so I will move on and uh, take you down to, to where you were actually at this Magic Mystics thriller. Now, was it a bit of deja vu to you? We saw the teams go down to the wire again. Funnily enough, we spoke to Dame Knowles last week about what to do in those situations uh, where you're taking it down to the last shot. Mystics decided to hold it. At six seconds, there could have been a shot from Monica Faulkner, but she didn't want it. Turned around, and that was when uh, I held my breath and went, we're going to extra time again. What did you think? Look, the, the entire game, before the match, I was thinking Mystics would have learnt from last time. We've talked about it on this show before, that the Magic are a bit of a bogey team for the Mystics, and I thought they would have learnt from that. They'll come up firing, they'll have a uh, great start, they'll race away to a lead, and then before you knew it, it was 5-2 to the Magic. So um, I don't know what it is about this Magic side when it comes to the Mystics. Um, other than, you know, like I said, they're a bogey team. The Magic are playing some great netball at the moment, which is awesome to see. But yes, that final second, I think the Mystics did the right thing um, and they weren't going to make the same mistake twice. Uh, but Grace did miss her first attempt at the shot, mm. missed the second attempt too. <laughs> but unfortunately, Edna Makaidi and um, George Takarangi, they both actually contacted on Grace, which allowed her to put up the shot once the clock was finished, and that was the end of that. I don't know. Extra time would have been great, I think, maybe, but I also feel like had it gone to extra time, I think the Mystics were the ones that were kind of building 
in that second half anyway, and I think they probably would have won quite easily in extra time, unlike the last time the two teams played. Um, but, yeah, funnily enough, the, the Magic are actually appealing the whole process, so that's gone to a judiciary to check out what happened with the clock because it was all very confusing. There's a stadium clock, there's the broadcast clock, and then there's the umpire clock that they wear on their wrist, and that's the one that it comes down to. So all the players were thinking, it's finished, it's finished, she missed the shot, game's over, we're going to extra time, but no, umpire controls the time and um, allowed Grayson McKee to put up that extra shot to get the win. So there is a bit of drama coming from that. The Magic have lodged a, not a complaint as such, but they want it to be looked at. Referred, so yeah. Yeah, be interested to see what comes from that. Probably nothing will come from it, mm. um, but it's got lots of people talking about, can we just sync up all the bloody clocks so it's not confusing? Yeah, what but a headache. It's such a headache, and it's um, definitely easier said than done. I know the breakers managed to sync up, uh, in basketball, yes. sorry, managed to sync up all the clocks because they play at Spark Arena and Christchurch Arena. But in netball, we play in so many different stadiums, regional stadiums all across the country, and there's just not the, um, I guess, resource to be able to do that in some of these stadiums. So going forward, I mean, it's human error, it's sport, you know, you see it everywhere, it's it's what we love. Um, Magic won't be so happy, but at the end of the day, don't contact in the final yes, second exactly. when you're shooting. <laughs> exactly. But look, no, we got it. We still have to give full credit to the Magic. I mean, obviously the turnaround they've had over the last three years, not even this, just this season, has been quite a standing. And it was it was really promising in that first half, seeing Emilia Ann Ignacio and Bailey Mears really oh, hit their struts fire. with that partnership. I mean, Mills doing all the uh, the running around hard works, some of her baseline cuts. Oh, they just ripped them with six to shreds and Bailey was just there to tidy it up. So it was really promising, but... Stormy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, the Magic are are such a strong starting team. I know they have uh, sort of a more, to the naked eye, a bit of a slower, bit of a gritty and grindier style of play. I'm worried that that's holding them back in the latter stages of the game because we've seen them do this uh, quite a number of times this season. Get ahead, get very comfortable early, but in that third and fourth quarter, they just sort of tend to slip away. What do you put that down to? They, sometimes they slip away. Sometimes they do really well at, at closing out the close games, as we've seen in previous rounds. But you're right, they, they race away to these great starts. I think it's honestly more a um, matter of other teams just being a little bit shell-shocked by the way the Magic come out and play. They are very physical. That sort of all style has always been that way. And I think it takes teams a while to kind of settle into their processes on attack in particular. Um, and that's why we see teams kind of catch up. I don't know, I wouldn't be too worried about anything the Magic are doing as such. I think you talk about um, Emilia and Ikenasio, well, that switch of Michaela Sokolic-Beatson into goal defence played a massive part in the Mystics' comeback. Um, She was MVP for that match, and I think, yeah, just the adjustments the Mystics made on defence made a difference in the second half, but also the fact that their attacking end came out almost, I think I said it in commentary, like they just looked a little more unleashed, like they go into the game so hesitant when they know they're playing the Magic. I don't, don't quote me, I don't know if that's true, but that's just the way it looks and feels. And so, yeah, I think um, if the Magic can find a way to sort of continue to evolve and change their game as it goes on, because I really don't think it's a matter of them slipping away. I think it's other teams just adjusting how they play the magic and, and building and the magic aren't. Mm, Does that make sense? It did. Yeah, it you're, did, you're nodding your No, no, yeah, I was learning a lot there. Vomit. There Good, we go. Yes. No, that's, what I, that's exactly <laughs> what I wanted. I asked you the question, you gave me the answer. That's how this game works. Now, in terms of the winners of that, of that match, the Mystics, uh, for me, it, it was a bit of a weird start in terms of 
We know that the Magic are a bogey team, and if you had to ask me why, I would put it down to their defensive circle and being able to slow up that midcourt of the Mystics. Irina Makaere and, and Takarangi doubling Grace Wiki for me, seems to almost shock the Mystics, and it's something that we've expected out of the Magic for a long time. It's, it seems to be the way to slow Grace down, because you, you can never really stop her. Mm. But for me, it, it, it took Peter Toyava really turning on the burners and taking that into her hands because in a double with, with and I know you're not a shooter, so I'm not going to ask you for elite uh, specifics on this. I'll but, try my best. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so in a situation like that, you're double teaming the goal shoot. What is the job of the goal attack? Because for Monica Faulkner in that first and second quarter, there was just a little bit of time where it took her to readjust and regather. Mm. I think Phil DeVille actually came on for a little bit and kind of steadied the ship just a bit. But, you know, all teams are double-teaming Nweki to an extent because you kind of have to because she's putting up 50 goals a match. The difference is with the Magic, they have a keeper that matches Grace for height. And so in the past we've seen Peta Toyava just let the ball go regardless if there's two players on there. But in this particular match, she can see the height and the imposing figure of Makairi on Nweki and it just kind of puts that little bit of hesitation in. So, yes, you're right. The goal attack needs to really bring themselves into the game more. And it comes down to both of them working together. Like, Grace should be drawing both of those defenders deep into the base, pulling them away so that Monica can drive or cut the front of the circle and and play herself in. And then not be afraid to offload it, knowing that Grace can jump higher than Edna. I'm sure Edna won't mind me saying that. Uh, It's just the truth. And as the game went on, we saw that the Mystics got more confident to let the ball go. It just just wasn't happening at the beginning. So it, it works. It's not just the matter of the goal attack doing one thing in particular. I think they all need to work in unison and understand the game plan when that's happening, when they are double teaming wiki and figuring out what's your plan B how do you kind of negate this double teaming and bring Monica into the game so it definitely you're right it took them a while to figure that out but once they did yeah, it looked pretty good in the second half yeah give and take all things in, in that matchup it was very promising from both sides I mean and I'm going to keep saying it until it's not true anymore, but MJ told us we're coming. Yeah, I know. And they are so far. And, and uh, just quickly, just off the back of that, the Magic, 132 goals across the weekend and leading into their second game of the weekend, which was uh, against the Stars, which we will touch on in a second because, Storm, I know uh, you are probably distracting it with the big uh, looking down at the big ring on your finger now, and, and but, but we it is Tuesday and it is 10 past 8 on SCNZ, so we do have to acknowledge it, uh, and we are talking stars thanks to Vertical Logistics, your freight and logistics specialist. Storm, it was a tough week for the stars, and I've been wrapping my head all around these, these two results. They took on the Pulse uh, earlier in the weekend, and then last night took on the Magic, uh, who we were just talking about in that thriller, so double header for the Magic and the Stars, but we will start uh, with that loss against the Pulse. Stars 44, Pulse 58. Just from looking at the score, it looks really bad. Was it as bad on court? Um, No. Mm. I, it, it wasn't as bad on court, I don't think. I think with both of these losses, it's almost as if the Stars were facing two teams at like the worst possible time. Yes. The Pulse were coming off a four-game losing streak. Everyone's been going, what the hell's going on with the Pulse? They should be so much better than this. They're better than this on paper. And it's like they were really, really wanting to put their show, the best show they could out there. And, you know, you don't want to lose five in a row because then we're talking steel territory <laughs> for the Pulse. Um, so I think it was great to actually see the Pulse put 
a full 60-minute consistent performance out there. We haven't seen that from them yet. Um, I think, you know, Amelia Wormsley really stepped up and last time they played the Stars, she was just dominated by Kalera Nawai Tautau and that just didn't happen in this match. So coach of the Stars, Kitty Wills, had to mix up her defensive end quite a lot and by then it was almost like they were in chasing mode and it was too late and they started getting really scrappy. I mean, the Stars had 54 contacts to the Pulse 38. Um, so, like I said, that's desperation mode when you're flying at the body like that and getting penalised that much. It's not going to end well for you. So that was a matter of the Stars starting badly and just probably freaking out and the Pulse getting their tails up and saying, hey guys, don't forget about us, we're actually a really good side. Um, you want to move on to the Magic game? Do we have to talk about that one? <laughs> you, you touched a lot there, but the, the main thing for me is, you talked about context, but in terms of penalties, 78 uh, to the Stars and 58 to the Pulse. Yeah, it's a very, enough. very physical game. And it was uh, a bit like that. I just felt like the Stars just struggled to find their shape, uh, struggled to find those connections that we've seen. Uh, Gina and Myra have just been on fire the last few weeks and, and it was just a bit difficult there between them and uh, full credit to the Pulse for turning around mm-hmm. uh, a five-game losing streak. It's definitely not easy to do. It can definitely weigh on the mind. And, and look, we sort of saw a little bit of that uh, from the Stars trying to come back and maybe just turning up that physicality a little bit too much, uh, which would have stunted theirs. But look, since it is, uh, it was your birthday two weeks ago and it was your engagement this weekend, we will <laughs> move on uh, to the Magic Stars. Now, another game where we can talk about the score, but it doesn't tell the full story. Magic 71, Stars 57. Tune in to watch a Monday night game of Nettie. You're excited. Magic send a pass. Let's get this party rolling. Ball comes into Ekinasio. Eli Timu goes down. Uh, it was a tough watch. It was yeah. a very tough watch. And I'm very squeamish, mm. and watching the slow motion of her ankles landing on the ankle. hard to watch, yeah. Someone who's done an ankle, I think that's probably why, because I always do my ankles, I'm very yeah. clumsy on my feet, but it looked to be quite bad, but from what it looks like, it doesn't look like it's going to be an injury for too long. I don't know yet, but ankles are either, they can be really, really bad, or more times than not, they're just little stingers, and you're out for a couple of weeks, Max. What annoyed me is that her Bloody ankles weren't strapped. If you're a defender in that circle, strap your ankles, young yeah. netballers, because they're going to go. Uh, it's just what happens. You've got eight feet in there all competing under one little hoop, and you're going to land on a foot and probably sprain your ankles. So strap them up. Ellie won't make that mistake again, but they are usually just stingers, and, and she'll be back in no time, hopefully. Mm. Hopefully there's no actual you know, ligament. Well, there will be ligament damage, but any other sort of soft tissue damage in there. Um, and then obviously we saw Lisa Putt come on and do the same thing. Not Literally to add insult to injury. Oh, just a couple of minutes later. So that was a real shame for the Stars, um, and we're hoping that they can sort out that defensive end for their next um, few matches. But again, like the, the magic were just... Incredible! I could not take my eyes off Bailey Mez and Ekinasio in that shooting circle. Um, and I can nerd out on some stats for you for just a second. Let's, do, let's bring back stat chat. Honestly. Haven't had it for a while. Highest score for Bailey Mez ever. Um, putting up 54 goals. Like Those are numbers we're used to from Grace Wickey, not from a goal shoot like Bailey Mez. So 93% putting, um, slotting in 54 her highest score in the past was 47 goals. That was back in 2017. And in the 2021 season alone, she scored 62 out of 105 at 59% across 16 matches. That's, yeah, 62 goals in 16 matches. On Monday night, she shot 54. Un- like Unbelievable. Those numbers are unbelievable. The story of Bailey Mez, to me, is, is one like no other in terms mm. of this season, right? Leaving the Mystics where she was in a bit of a 
gone through a difficult time. She'd been battling injuries. Uh, she wasn't playing as well as she wanted. She had a few mental battles uh, just with herself across that year, going away, joining the Magic, regaining that con- uh, confidence and becoming the Bailey Mez that we we know and love again. And, and I couldn't truly believe it when we got that stat through from the Todd father uh, that it was uh, Bailey Mez's. Still, uh, keeping on that, stats, mm. the Magic... Biggest halftime score? Probably biggest everything, biggest halftime. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of history-breaking numbers <laughs> yeah. in that match for sure. All yeah. right. Hey, we'll focus it up and get a little <laughs> bit more light from you. Storm, put yourself in, in Kitty Will's shoes. What's the message this week for the team? I think you flush the weekend. Have to. Yeah, halfway. I really do. We're halfway. T- halfway. And they'd been playing so well. Um, their attack end in particular was really humming. Both Mila and Gina have been playing some sublime netball, and I think you just... You've played both of those teams before. You've beaten both of them before. You can do it again. And just, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, I'm no. sure in the moment she would have fired up and got into her team and tried to get the best out of them. But now that it's done, the double hit is done, the weekend's done, I would be looking back to what they were doing that was working so well in previous games and remind them of that and bring that confidence back, especially for their attacking end, and hope to see that in round seven. I'll tell you what, if there's a coach out there that can bring back your confidence, bring back your fire, bring back your hunger, it's Kitty, isn't oh, it? I mean, hearing her, hearing her down in, in, uh, on, on the Sky coverage of last night's game, being down as much as you're down and coming in and just saying, right, come on, team, let's get let's get back out there and do it. Yeah. You know, we got one more quarter. Yeah. Let's show them why we're here. Let's show them why we are the stars. And and it's it's she nothing loves, but inspiring. She loves the franchise and she really instills that you you are playing for this franchise and what it represents, and that's really important. So 100%. If anyone's gonna fire you up to be better, it's gonna be Kitty Wills. I've always said the stars aren't a team, they aren't a franchise, they are a whanau, mm. and yeah. that's uh, it. Couldn't be said for a better team, but uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they turn around because we know they will. It's the stars. You look at them on court. You look at them off court. They're one. All right, so Storm, wipe that, uh, wipe that turn that, uh, what do you use it? Turn that frown, <laughs> frown upside, upside down. down. I'm hey, smiling. Don't hey, worry. Hey, they've got the steal again. next week. They so, do. They I mean, do. I don't want so. to say too much there, but hopefully that'll be a win, surely. <laughs> Great chance to show that you're back in, and you mean business. Uh, obviously, every time we talk stars, that is thanks to our good friends at Vertical Logistics, proud partners of the Northern Stars and leading the way in personalising your freight service. Now, 18 minutes in, we are going to take a break. We are going to have a little breath and uh, because it only means one thing, we are going on Tactics Watch. Coming up 20 minutes past 8 here on SENZ. We'll catch you in a little bit. 22 minutes past 8 here on SENZ. You're listening to Centre Pass and Focus. Myself, Kieran Bingham, alongside Storm Purvis. Now, I've got my binoculars up to my eyes uh, because we are going on tactics watch. Now I love to do a little bit of tactics watch as we know that they uh, we, we made it we made note at the start of the season that we would be biased, but we did say that the tactics looks the best on paper. So every few weeks I just like to uh, tuck my eyes into a bit of uh, what's going down in tactics world and we are obviously going on tactics watch thanks to our good friends at Trident Home Designed for Living and Built for Life. Now Storm Big celebrations for the tactics this weekend. They got up uh, over the steel 58-45 in what was Captain Jane Watson's 100th game for the uh, for the mighty red and black. 
yeah, 148th game or something in total, but 100 games for the one franchise, which is very exciting for her. She um, definitely seems right at home in the red and black, and she has for years. And um, she's back to her best, really, after giving birth to her um, lovely little girl. So she had a great outing. The whole team had a great outing. I've just had to check the ladder, and yes, they're up to second on 15 points, just behind the Mystics, and that's where I kind of expected them to be. Like you say, Kez, we talked about it a lot in their off-season recruitment and on paper how good they looked. They just weren't quite putting it together out on court. Um, But, yeah, I thought they looked great on – what day was that game? Sunday. Mm. I thought they looked great on Sunday, and uh, especially their attacking end, I think – I think Tapia Selby-Rickett was the MVP for that match. But to be fair, Aaliyah Dunn shot at 100%. You know, we love to see that from a shooter. And Camille Poi had a blinder, um, led the goal assists and feeds. And, you know, she's their captain as well and just doing a really, really great job of, of leading the team and bringing those newbies in. So um, they will be happy. They will be happy. Yes, all round ticks on the board. And um, you mentioned it before, they are second on the table behind the Mystics. Five wins and two losses. Uh, One of those losses was coming last week. A big loss to the Stars and that was a game where we sort of talked about the shooting, ah, sorry, defensive circle of Karen Berger and Jane Watson and how the Stars sort of uh, weaseled their way in there and, and caused absolute ruckus, finding them in a, in a bit of a strange spot. But Jane Watson, in her 100th for the red and black, four gains, two intercepts, showed up though by, by Karen Berger. She's back in business with four intercepts in five games herself. Were you impressed uh, with the quote-unquote greatest defensive circle in the world? I am just always so impressed with them, despite <laughs> um, the performance against the Stars last week. I just... It's Karen Berger in particular, right? I don't know how to put this into words, but when you are def- a defender, you're trying to intercept the ball. So you're trying to get in between it, get a hand here or there, or just take it cleanly, whatever. But when Karen Berger goes for intercepts, it's like she's going for a pass that the team has thrown to her. Yeah. That's how she makes it look, and it's like that's her mindset with it. So she just takes her whole body, her feet, right into it as if, hey, yeah, this my opposition teammate up here is actually throwing the ball to me. And it, she makes it look like it's such a bad pass and that it's just gone straight to her because the way she commits and take her, takes her body into the ball, I just, it's like poetry. I love watching it. It makes me want to go out there and play again and give it a go and be like, if Karen can do it, why can't I do it? Um, and, you know, four clean intercepts in a game. We talk about gains a lot, but a lot of those are either tips that have been gathered or rebounds or whatever. But to get four standalone clean intercepts in a game is incredible. And, and she's the master of it. As a 100 appearance ANZ Premiership defender yourself, how hard is that to do, what you just talked about with with Karen Berger, reading uh, almost two plays ahead and in, in a game like netball, right, where the ball's moving a million miles a second, how hard is it to read a few plays ahead? It's so hard. It's so hard. I think the fact that she's doing it from goal defence helps because you have more space yes. to get that run in and you can see down the court and, and you've got 10 metres to kind of get your stride up and, and run into it as if it's your own, whereas at goal keep you're kind of having to make last-minute little dives at things. Um, so that definitely helps. But in saying that, you don't, you're right, you don't have that much time. The game's so fast these days, and, and these attacking players let the ball go like it's, I don't know, hot potato, and, and sometimes they're not even looking at where they're passing it, you know, the Peter Toyava classics. So yeah, yeah. for Karen to be able to do that, it's like I always think of her as not entirely like 
the smartest or brainiest player on court, but she's just so instinctive and she just goes for it and backs mm. herself and um, that's something that you can't teach. So, yeah, I mean, I joked that I'd like to give it a go, but there's no way I could ever play like she does. It's just something that's in her where <laughs> she just has it, just has it. I'm clicking my fingers, you know? She just goes. Yeah, of and um it's really, really hard to do, and it's why you don't see a lot of clean intercepts like that in the game anymore. We see more scrappy, smart tips here and there. So um, whatever she's doing, replicate it and teach it if you can, but I don't think you can. I think it's just all instinctive for her. Mm, now, uh, 100 Club for Jane Watson, but it was a big welcome back to the 100 Club for one of our favourite shooters in the competition, and Alia Dunn. Uh, very impressive shooting performance. I believe it was 40 from 40. And you combine that with the tactics mid-court, the way that Tapia was shooting with a man-of-the-match performance. I mean, it felt like everything was clicking for the tactics. As Mary Ann, six rounds in, uh, what are your impressions? Yeah, I'm stoked for Leah done 40 from 40. Those are incredible numbers, um, and, and it's great to see. And I thought her and Tapia Sabi Rickett really play ni- like so nicely with each other when it's on. I know they had a couple of scrappy turnovers as the game went on, but um, it's such a big lead against the Steel. It's bound to happen, but I love the way they play together, both kind of basketball styles. So they do yeah, the yeah, old yeah, little, yeah. not layups as such, but you know they're very good at um, the shooter-to-shooter play, and it, it can be really, really hard to defend. Um, great to see Camille Poise numbers up to kind of take that load off to Paya. We talked about it last week that um, Selby Rickett was having to really front the load in terms of feeding and all that when her job is to just get in the circle and shoot. So I thought that made a massive, massive difference in the tactics general attacking play. And playing the way they do with um, starting the game with Laura Malcolm in at centre and Camille Poise at wing attack and then bringing Paris Petita on and just, yeah, allowing... Kimmy to go back into centre for the second half, inject something while not disrupting the shooting circle too much. I think it's a master master stroke. Whew. So if um, the tactics can continue refining that sort of game plan and understanding that this attacking end is going to work for a half, then we're going to change it up and you're not going to notice much of a difference, but it's going to be fresh and we're going to just keep doing what we're doing, then that's going to be really, really hard to stop for defenders across the league. So I'm wondering if they've found their winning formula a little bit in terms of who they're putting out there on court. Oh, look, I think I think you've hit the nail absolutely on the head there in terms of Paris Petra. I was so impressed uh, with the physicality, the awareness, her ability to feed. I mean, she was ticking all the boxes for me, and I know we talked about Greer Sinclair a few weeks ago. We talk about her every week because it's it's exactly the same things that she's doing. It's something about this tactics team. I'll tell you what, when you send these young players down there to, to have a crack, they're, they're stepping up and looking like 10-year veterans, and, and it's really impressive to see. So round six... Round you've got six. you've got your finger pointed at me because I need to go back. I was just looking. Yes, keep going. Sorry. I was well. I was going to ask you the hardest question of them all, but have you got something else for me in the meanwhile? No, no, I haven't. I was just going to go off what you're saying with young players heading down there. I truly believe that the tactics have the best high performance environment um, and across the country in terms of how they work as a team around strength and conditioning and how their training works, and it's all very centralised. And I just think that you you're right. The young players go down there and do really well, and I think they've just nailed the setup. That was all. No, I feel like a bad person for asking you the hard question because you just give me a fantastic <laughs> response. But look, look, I question? know we can make a case for every team right now, but the tactics, grand final, yes or no? I will stick to what we said at the beginning of the season and when we first started this show for 2023 that I do still think it'll be a Mystics tactics final because the tactics are tracking in the right trajectory. 
Yep. Look. I said it. Yep. Look, no, 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 and it's and it's fair. You know, like I said, we could make a team. We could make a case for nearly every team. Mm. Just that's just the way that the premiership's going. But I do have to agree with you there. The tactics five and two, and I think those two losses we can almost put aside, uh, coming to very, very strong stars and Mystics teams. They've both learned from that. Uh, well, we'd hope with the stars result that they've learned from that. But <laughs> look, I think it's going to be uh, all downhill from here for the tactics in terms of picking up that momentum and really striving for that grand final. So that rounds up another week of uh, of Kez's tactics watch. You know, get my binoculars on, go down to the tactics camp and check out what is going on. And as always, that is thanks to our good friends at Trident Homes. Proud supporters of the Trident Home tactics, check out their modern home plans at tridenthomes.nz. We're going to take a little break and come back with Storm's Team of the Week. Jeeps, get a cough out of the way. 36 minutes past eight here on ECNZ, Centre Pass in Focus. Now, some of the big guns, Storm, Storm's team of the week. This is the segment where Storm compiles a starting seven plus an honorary captain slash MVP, the, uh, the top performer of the round. And Storm, as always, I'm going to let you flip the coin, defence or offence, where are you going? Um, you do this every week, and you know my answer. I do, every but week. some, you know, sometimes <laughs> I want change. You know, well, why can't why can't today. we switch it up? Okay, starting at the front. Okay, all right. Who's uh, who's knocking in all your goals this week? Do you know what's weird? It's a weird seven this week. Now that I'm looking at it as a whole, but anyway, okay. Goal shoot this week it's is not another all Auckland team, is no, it? No, it's not. <laughs> No, it's not. It's almost, almost Whoa. the complete oh, opposite. Okay, okay. okay. Almost the right, complete me. opposite. Bayemez is my uh, goal shoot of the week. Self-explanatory. I mean, outstanding. I talked about, we've talked about at the top of the show, but a history-making performance for her over the weekend um, in that second game in particular. Just outstanding. Making a late run for Dame Nolan Todua's World Cup squad. I tell you what. Look, look, I'll, uh, I'll bring back everyone's favourite. Mesmerising performance mesmerizing. from Bailey Mez. Get yeah, it? Huh? Yeah. Get it? Hardly missed any goals. <laughs> Suncorp Storm Purvis over here. <laughs> Bailey Mez. You know, she hardly mazed. Oh, there you go. All right, I'll never do that again. I'm no, sorry. My neither. partner's Australian. She'll kick me when I get home. <laughs> Let's move on. Gold attack. Um, her partner in crime, Amelia Anikanasio. 132 goals across the weekend for both of them. Yeah. I mean, what more, what more do we have to say? And Stunners. such a fun the shooting circle to watch, and we can't, you know, give it all to Bays. Mez really, I mean, Mills really brought her into the game. So, yeah, stunning Yen performance. Yeah, loved it. Great shooting oh, circle. So well. Feeding them this week at wing attack. Kimiota Poi. I haven't loved her at wing attack. I think she's better suited at centre, but I thought that game against the Steel, like we said, I feel like she led from the front and um, just, yeah, had a really solid outing, picked up that load of the feeding and just allowed her shooters to do their job. And it was great. Really worked for the tactics attacking end. That surprised me because you could uh, easily make a case for her at centre as well. So surprised me. Who's going in at centre? (coughs) Excuse me. I went with. Storms one. Yeah. I went with Maddie Gordon. Oh, okay. I just, okay. That, game that sounds bad. That's I know, me saying, oh, okay. Right. But I, think, it's, yeah. I think we forget because that game was on Saturday. It was so long ago now, and we've had so many other great games since then. But um, she was fantastic. She hustled on defence, didn't let the kind of niggly stuff get to her too much and wasn't afraid to give a bit back, which we love to see, um, but did really well at letting the, ball go, letting the ball go into Amelia Wormsley and had a really consistent performance. So I was very impressed with Maddie Gordon. Mm, talk about versatile mid-quarters. Maddie Gordon ticks every box for me. Uh, Moving down into wing defence.
points. Talk to me. Who we got? Another versatile player, but I've gone with Michaela Sokolic-Beetson again. Um, I know she moved into goal defence in that second half and, and made a difference there, but she actually finished the game in at wing defence and to be able to slide between the two so much. Effortlessly as well. Effort, effortlessly. And we talk about the Mystics' defence end a lot, but I think we're forgetting... Um, that the work that she does out the front allows those defenders to get the balls that they do. So love her, loved her post-match speech uh, interview. If you haven't seen it, try find it because mm. she's hilarious um, and was very honest and open about her team and the performance. And yeah, she's having a great season. Just an unsung hero a little bit. Joining Bailey Mears as, yeah, a, totally. uh, as a late hand putter-upper totally. for Dame Nolene's ongoing headache. Mm-hmm. Now... Your specialty. <laughs> Take us into the circle, the defensive end. Where are we going? No surprises with my goal defence. We talked about her. She's made a comeback after missing out last week. It is um, Karen Berger. Just what more can I say? Uh, showing up her uh, 100 club partner, Jane Watson, in absolute stunning fashion. It's not easy to uh, outplay Jane Watson, no. is it, at all? And, and Karen Berger is one of the only players that can do it. So fittingly in the team, yeah. rounding it out. Well, I wanted to go with Jane Watson because I feel like, like the case with Mez and Ekinacio, you can't really have one without the other. But you can. Karen's getting balls um, like they're her own and, and she's doing a great job. And I couldn't go past Edina Makaidi for my goal keep. And I know I've been harsh on E in the past and, you know, I am always want more out of her given her height and, and what she can do out there. But I really feel like she's figuring out her game at the moment and that sounds silly because she's a veteran and has been playing for so many years, but it's like she knows what her strengths are and what she can do to get into the head of these shooters she's facing up against. And I think she just has done that amazingly well, both against Grace Nwicky and Maya Wilson in round six. I like just, yeah, just, just doing her job and not trying to do too much more than that. Totally agree with you in terms of I think she is truly finding her game because mm. as you get older, as you progress, you got all this experience, you got to know how to use it, right? And getting into the head of these uh, top-class shooters has, has been her specialty over the last week. So fully fitting and good to see her making Storms 7. Now the hardest part, picking your captain, your MVP for the week, who is it? It wasn't that hard this week mm. and uh, we've talked about her enough yes. on the show. It was Bailey Mears. It I was just Bailey, the record breaker. Record breaking, where she's come from, how she looks while she's playing this season. Um, yeah, she thoroughly deserves my MVP this week. Well, there you go. Easy as that. <laughs> Yin and Yang. We raced through that, eh? Yeah, and good. Bailey Mears rounding out the shooting circle with, of course, Bailey taking out the MVP for the week. Another week, still we got it done easily. No sweat this week. Loved it. There you go. You're dropping the shoulders. You're getting used to this. Yeah, it was easy. Look, you've even made a few new friends this week as well, adding them to your team. No stars in the team. Bullseye. Hey. Wow. That eye patch is gone. I can see it out there. <laughs> 42 minutes past eight here on ECNZ. When we come back, you're going to be hearing us with Kate Heffernan. Quarter to nine here on ECNZ, Centre Pass in Focus. Myself, Kieran Bingham, alongside the wonderful and freshly engaged, and I'm going to keep mentioning <laughs> it, Storm, uh, Storm Purvis. Now, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome into the show Silver Fern and Southern Steel mid-quarter, Kate Heffernan. Kate, kia ora, welcome into the show. Hi, thank you for having me. No, no, the pleasure is all ours. Thank you very much for uh, staying up this late to come and talk some yabber with myself <laughs> and Storm. Kate, in a year full of challenges, now it hasn't been the easiest start six rounds into the ANZ Premiership. What would you say has sort of been the hardest challenge to start the season so far? Yeah, I guess it's probably quite obvious. Um, probably getting beaten by not just a few goals, but getting um, decent 
I mean, decent losses back-to-back is um, pretty tough. I think anyone who plays sport experiences losses and experiences big losses at times, but um, not always back-to-back-to-back. So I think that's definitely been quite hard and, um, yeah, a lot of learning for some of us, all of us. Knowing that that is the way it's happening at the moment, Kate, that you are seeing these losses and the score lines sort of blowing out the way they are week to week, how has um, Rianga Bloxham, your coach, kind of changed your mindset in the game? Because you're so right, it must be so hard when you look up at the scoreboard and see that and really hard to not sort of drop your head or just, you know, forget about playing for the rest of the game. But you guys haven't been doing that because you've been finishing games well. You have moments of brilliance. So how has she kind of coached um, that mindset and what are you guys thinking when you're out on court? Do you just ignore the scoreboard altogether? Yeah, she's been great. Um, she tries to make um, us just focus on ourselves and I guess it is an awful feeling. Um, each game, um, I've felt it every time. I'm like, oh no, here we go again. It's sort of, um, it's an awful feeling and it's quite hard um, to try and get yourself out but then also... Um, girls around you and inexperienced girls as well but um, Rang is amazing she's um, such a calm cool calm collected and she is massive on just going back to our game Um, got to do our jobs first so focus on yourself first um, and then the one way to pick someone else up is just by doing your job and I think that's something she's been massive on and I think it has been um, improving um, in the last couple rounds so that's the small wins, I guess, but she's um, yeah, massively just do your own job and that's how you're going to help people around you. You talk about small wins. I mean, we know in netball we love our stats and you can break them down so quickly during a game. You know, you've got your, your stats live fed into your coach's ears half the time in the ANZ Premiership. Do you kind of go a step further and look at, hey, look, in this quarter we scored whatever percent of our center pass attack, that's really great. Do you kind of break it down and try and get some targets in that way as opposed to just worrying about the score? Yeah, absolutely. I think the stats have been um, not as... That, that shows exactly what the score line I think, um, shows in the end. I think we... Um, in those games, we have had big, big losses in the quarters. When the quarters... Some quarters have lost by 10 um, and more. And um, not only are we not scoring our own centre pass, the ball we get given. But um, in some games, we're really struggling to get ball. And when we do, we're not even converting it. So um, some of those stats have been quite hard to look at because they're things that um, I guess it is evidence um, and it is quite exposing. But it is really good because it is evidence and it shows that um, in those crucial situations, we aren't executing. Kate, now I know you know this team very well. You were lucky enough to captain uh, earlier on in the season for a few games here and there. But to you, what is the biggest strength of the Steel team and how do you plan on using it to turn around the season? Yeah, I think um, our team is we've got a lot of inexperience, but it's a really exciting team. I think we've got um, some amazing speed in the midcourt with Sammy, Avari, Christy. Um, she's such an exciting player. I've loved playing with her, um, getting to know her on and off the court. I think her defence end is exciting and we've got a good mix of experience. But then also, um, you know, I guess I guess we've actually got quite a lot of experience in our defence end. Um, and our shooting, man, when we play with ball speed, it's, um, it's so exciting. But it's being able to um, control that speed. I think um, we show just glimpses of it's amazing and it's really good netball and good to watch but we almost get 
a little bit carried away and then um, clusters of errors come. So I think the strength, our strengths can sometimes be what um, kind of, um, I don't know how to say it, but I guess sometimes we get a little bit carried away and we make too many mistakes. But the ball speed um, and how exciting we can play, it is pretty cool um, to see when it is being executed. Totally get that when the excitement of how you're playing and something pulls off, yeah, it can be overwhelming at times. But I totally agree with you, yeah. Kate. I mean, your speed in the midcourt, I agree. Avari Christie has been so fun to watch. I think you're playing really, really well with her and bringing her into the match. Kate Burley in defence, she never gives up. We love to see it. And, you know, your whole shooting end, when, when they're on, they, they just look amazing. Um I want to ask you about off the court as well, like Karen did, because I think um, Tuhungereo Sabiraket, your captain post-match, um, mentioned that you guys have a lot of fun off the court. It's still all positive. You're enjoying each other. And, you know, the, the team vibe is definitely not at fault at all. What do you get up to in Invercargill? Tell me, what are you guys doing outside of netball? Because I'd love to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess um, sometimes there's actually not a lot else to do than just hang out with each other. And the girls are great. There's um, we are always um, making the most of the time we have together and I think we um, talked about it when we had our first few losses and um, we said, man, we've got to make it fun off the court and that um, if we are struggling on court and um, eventually it'll translate onto the court if we um, really do put effort into um, making it hard and we talked about it's going to be a long season if we don't um, try and have as much fun off the court and I think um, it's actually showed in the last few rounds um, We've obviously still had big losses, but I think um, we're starting to, um, I guess, communicate better on court and um, learning what each other actually, um, what each other, what brings the best out of each other, I guess. And that's from just building relationships off the court and spending time together. But yeah, it's an awesome team, really fun team. Um, it honestly is going to feel so good when we get that first win because I think it's um, we're really building towards it. Hey, when. I love it. Yeah, not if. No, when. no, that's yeah. what I was going to say. It's definitely not, <laughs> not an if, if it is when. Not if. Not if it's when. Yeah. Hey, Kate, who's the troublemaker? Who's the troublemaker in your group? Oh, good. Goodness. Um, well, if she wasn't injured, I'd definitely say George Fisher. Um, <laughs> she's a troublemaker, and it is so, um, so good having her around on our home games. Um, she's just such an awesome um, team person and um, she really lifts it. Lifts us on and off the court. Um, I think yeah, she's definitely the troublemaker. <laughs> love it. Hey, Kate, it's been really awesome to catch up with you tonight. Thank you so much for your time. It's, it's sounding really promising, you guys as a group. We know that uh, if there's going to be anywhere you guys want to play, it is down with that Southland crowd and, and your group, your tight-knit community. So we can't do anything but wish you all the absolute best for the rest of the season and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Awesome. There's Thanks, Kate Heffern in there. Silverfern and Steel Midquarter. Look, promising to hear that uh, at least spirits are high. Yeah. There. That's all you can hope for a, for a Steel team. And, you know, I, like I, I had six years down with the Steel, and, and she's absolutely right. The franchise as a whole is like the stars. They really pull on that sort of wholesome family vibe. And she's right. And in Vicargo, there's not a lot else to do. So, yeah, having a lot of fun together. And, and that's great to hear. And I'm totally with her. They will get their win. It's coming. You can you can feel it. they just got to... Yeah, 60 seconds. 60 minutes, sorry. That's all they got to do. What on earth did you do down south? Well, I was in Dunedin. Oh, okay. I was one of the lucky ones that got to live in Dunedin. Right, right, so I right. had all the 
bloody Storm was partying to worry guys. about. I was yeah. the Scarfy by day, no, Scarfy by night, <laughs> professional <laughs> netball by day. Talk about 60-minute <laughs> performance. I mean, stop. Who would have guessed? Oh, I don't know how we got away with what we did, but that's story <laughs> for another time. <laughs> oh, jeepers. Now, hey, look, Storm, we've got 30 seconds left, and, and you know I always like to throw you a curveball to finish the show. So, Kate Heffernan, does she start come World Cup time? I think so. She's got to be a starting centre. I reckon. Oh, centre. Starting yes. centre. This wing D position is still getting me because I'd love her at wing defence too. But yeah, you've got to still take Kate. Look, yeah. it's a word I've used a few times tonight. Versatile. Mm-hmm. One player that can run around everywhere. Hey, it's another week of Centre Pass and Focus here on ECNZ. Storm, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks. It's been great. We'll catch you all next Tuesday.